0: Well, you know, before we get into the word, I just wanted to talk about this reality that there's 10 kinds of people in the world, those who understand binary and those who don't. And there's like three people in this room who are laughing. So binary, it's it's a way of doing math and counting where all you use are zeros and ones. And so you have zero, then you have one, then you don't have two, three, four, five, the next number is 10. So to represent two, you say 10. So when you explain a joke, it makes it all the more funny. <clears throat> um, but James, who we're going to read from, he, he really begins to create this dichotomy, this, this categorization of two kinds of people, 10 kinds of people if we're talking binary. <clears throat> two kinds of people, those who, who hear the word over against those who, he says, do the word. Those who hear the word and those who do the word. And it, and it is my prayer that by the, the power of God and the spirit of God, we would each be convicted in, in our unique places of life and, and circumstance to shift from, do, from, from hearing the word alone to hearing and doing the word of God. So that's what we're going to be reading about today. If you will stand up with me, we're going to read together. <clears throat> Out of James, the book of James which is in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 22, uh, 22, do we have it? Well, we'll read 23. I'll read through it. It's fine. Go to 23. Sorry about that. I give them the slides, and sometimes I include more texts than, than I mentioned. So there we go. Oh, here we go. Magic. This is why they're in charge. Ready? James chapter 1, verses 22 and following. But be doers of the word and not hearers alone, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God... I thank you for your word. I thank you yet again for the wealth that we have. God, your word is is greater than, than silver or gold, sweeter than honey. This is what your word says. This is your testimony about your word. And God, I pray that you would impress upon us that reality right now by your spirit. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. Help us to see and cherish your word because it testifies to who you are and what, we, what is required of us to be in relationship with you. In it are the, the keys that unlock our, our ultimate hope, and, and in it is our identity, who we were made to be, who you have crafted and, and shaped us to be, who you invite us into as we, we come into this relationship of being in Christ, as your word says. Do your work by the power of your word, God, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, speak, cut away, bring conviction, bring comfort, bring challenge, bring change, we pray, by the power of your word, in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So as I said, James is is dividing humanity into two types of people, those who hear the word and those who do the word. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, there's a way of of doing life, there's a way of living in relationship to the Bible where we can think that we're doing the right thing and be completely wrong. We can think that we are walking in the way that we ought to, and be completely—what does he say? Deceived. It's a scary thing. I think many of us, our testimony is exactly that: that we grew up in church. Maybe, maybe your parents took you to church. If you were in Mike's setting, you wore all the—you know—the uncomfortable uh, clothes, the slacks, the the. the button-up shirt with the short sleeves because we're in Alabama, and, and, and you, you acted nice. You did right. You said, yes, ma'am. You opened the doors for the old ladies. You did all the things, but you didn't necessarily actually hear and obey the Word of God. And then you had this moment of hearing and understanding and obeying and doing the Word of God. It's a scary thing to think that you could be here right now and and be completely deceived. You could think that my hearing is enough. You know, I are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. You know, I listen to I listen to Pastor Eddie, or I listen to Pastor Brad, or I listen to you know such and such person online. I listen to them. That the measure of my relationship with God is whether or not I have heard about God. Is the measure of your relationship with God whether or not you have heard about God? God, if so, then you are deceived. You know, I, I know about President Biden. I don't know President Biden. I've heard many things about President Biden. Wherever you fall, I, I, I know about him. That does not in any way, shape, or form mean that if I go up to the White House and I say, hey, it's me, Eddie, that, that he's going to say, oh, Joe Hurt, he, Yeah, come on in. He's ready for you. He's got coffee. Let's do this. No, they're going to, and? Please step away from the lawn, sir. Just knowing about something, having heard about it, does not therefore mean that you know someone or you have a relationship with someone. He says, don't be just a hearer, but a doer. Now, he says this, uh, he says, but be a doer of what? The word. And like many things in the Bible, that word is, it's a word we need to define, right? What does he mean when he says the word? What does that mean? And in the Greek, it's logos, it's it's message, but what message is he talking about? The word could mean uh, his testimony, it could mean the word of God, you know, all of scripture encompassed, it could mean the, the gospel message. These are all ways that the Bible and and the, the writers of the Bible refer to the word. Now, if we go and we look at verse 18, see, I ask you a question and then I cheat like I have the answer, but if you want, you can read both as well. Um, in verse 18, uh sorry, I'll start in verse 17. It says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And he says, of his own will, he brought us forth. In other words, we came into new life, salvation. How? By the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits for his creation. So, so James says, by the word of God, by this gospel message, clearly he's talking about the gospel message about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the implications of that for our lives. By that, we, that, that word of truth, we have been brought into new life. And he goes on and he says uh, in verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive what? With meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Uh, Again, that word, word, is there again talking about this implanted word, this this word where the, the seed is sown, it goes into our hearts, and it produces new life. It produces something new in our souls. It produces life. So perhaps he's referring to the gospel. Now, I think it's more than that because if we keep going, we, we heard in, in verse 25 or verse 24, he says, If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, then he's compared to a person who looks into the mirror and, and, and then forgets, right? So a hearer is the person who's looking in the mirror. And what is he looking at? He's looking at the word and he's looking at the mirror. So the, the word is the mirror. I'm, I'm, follow me. I'm going to get somewhere. Then he goes in verse 25, and he breaks the simile, and he says, but the one who looks what, not in the mirror, but into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer but forgets. Um, But a doer who acts, he will be blessed as well. So he goes from saying the word, which is the mirror, which is what I'm looking at, and what I'm looking at now is the perfect law, the law of liberty. And so when we ask the question, what does he mean by the law? What I think he means is is all that the scriptures testify to regarding the salvation of God. It's not just the gospel of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because he talks about the law. And for James, who is a Jew, uh, the law encompasses a lot more than just this narrow uh, aspect of the gospel. But it's not, it's not the, the rules, the Ten Commandments alone either because he's talking about how the Ten Commandments relate to our salvation. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, Good. You guys can talk back to me if it makes sense. Or you can just say, you know, turn sideways if it doesn't make sense. I don't, just something. You, you guys are just staring at the guitar or something. I don't know. It's okay. Um, it's important to define our terms because we, we have a tendency to bring our own understanding to the text. And so if we don't ask the specific, explicit question, what does he mean, we're just going to read on it what we think he means. And sometimes we're right, sometimes our gut is correct, but sometimes we're wrong, and that gets us into a weird place. So that's why we're going through this exercise of, of saying, what does he mean when he says the word? So when he says the word, I understand it to mean all of scripture, and specifically as it relates to this gospel message. So he says, be a doer. Of the word, he's talking about two kinds of people. He talks about first the hearer. He compares hearing, uh, but uh, but not but not doing to to looking at a mirror, and and not not remembering your face. Now, what what is he trying to get at here? Well, when you look in the mirror, you know, I've got a mirror on my uh, dresser in my closet, um, not because I like to look at myself, but because I need to put contacts in my eyes. And that's really hard to do when you can't look at your face. It's doable. I know people that do it, and they're, they're magicians. I don't know. I would just get red eyes and pokes. It would not be a thing. So I've got a mirror, and that mirror gives me a picture of what? Me, for better or worse, mostly worse. But here we are. And, and I can see my face, and I can reference my identity. And that allows me to operate, right? So that I'm not just trying to like, uh, here's hoping, you know. I'm just staring at a finger coming at me. Mirrors give you a picture of your identity I mean, that it's not groundbreaking I understand that it's okay and then and then, if you go to target and you look in the mirrors uh, section, they have these these uh i don't know shame mirrors or uh archaeological mirrors where on one side it's like, this is who you are and then on the other side you're like, "Oh, I can see all my sin I can see everything that is i didn't know that my face was that that. I can see into my soul through this mirror. It's this a concave mirror. You can see all your pores and everything that's in there. You have bacteria waving back at you. <laughs> apparently, there are these like dust mites that, that just live in your eyebrows. I found out about this from my daughter because sometimes I'll give her a hug and a kiss and she's like, get those off of me. And I've got, I, I got significant eyebrows. So I have like colonies, apparently. <laughs> I take showers, but that's just how it works. Learning a lot about Eddie today. So, um, but mirrors are intended to give us a picture of who we are. All that silliness to say mirrors are intended to give us a picture of who we are. And he says, those who hear the word but don't obey the word are similar to those who don't look into the mirror and then they forget. Now, what does that mean? That means, family, that this holds your identity. That means that this is intended to inform you about your reality. This is intended to inform you about your reality. CNN is not intended to inform you about your reality. Fox News is not intended to inform you about your reality. TikTok is not intended to inform you about your reality. This is intended to tell you who you are, who you were, and who God wants you to be, because this is God's word to you. This is your creator's word to you. This is the instruction manual. He says, those who hear the word but don't do it, they look in the mirror and they forget who they are. But then he goes on and he says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, he remembers. Being no hearer who forgets, but being a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. When we, when we fall into obedience, there is there's a blessing that comes in the obedience now certainly there's there there are a couple ways of looking at this the being blessed in the doing you can either think of it as a future reward of of one day we will be blessed as we are doing or you can think of it as a blessing that comes as a result and and I don't know that I want to draw a distinction because there is a blessing in the doing any parent knows that because when our kids obey we want to bless them we we're so grateful with finally yay here's a here's some candy there's and, and, and there's something of, 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 all joking aside, there's something of, in that child, of them experiencing the pleasure of their, their parent as they walk in the commands of their parent. And, and there's a blessing that comes as a result. In the same way, there's a blessing that comes to us as we, as we look at the word and we apply the word and we live the word out. I mean, there, there are tons of blessings and tons of rewards. I mean, just the simple, you read Proverbs and you live one way and you don't live that way, you don't live the foolish way, there's going to be just natural blessings. You know, we're going to have FPU class and, and we're going to talk about the natural blessings of, of spending less than you save, right? You get $10 in, don't spend $11. Simple math, but it's also in the Bible, and there's a blessing that comes to obedience to that wisdom. But there's, there's also the blessing of God and the, the pleasure and the reward that, that waits for us in heaven. So however you want to take it, the one who acts and does is blessed. The doer doesn't forgive, forget. He, he shifts, James shifts the simile, as I said before, and he says, the one who looks, what, not at the mirror, but at the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres is the one who will be Blessed. Family, th- this word is intended for us to, to, not just be read but applied, lived out. So, so what does this look like? You normally, I, I would go twenty-five minutes and then we get into the application. But here we go. What does this look like? Well, I just wanted to think through. First of all, what does it look like for us to do the word as it's related to the gospel? I don't know if anyone was paying attention, but if we talk about the gospel, what does it mean for me to do the gospel? Isn't that isn't that works righteousness, Pastor? Aren't you talking about like earning your salvation? No, the Bible talks about the obedience of faith. Sometimes the Bible, when it talks about doing the gospel or 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 um, the obedience, obeying the gospel, what it's saying is is giving faith, or, or not just mental assent—that's mental assent—but also heartfelt assent, having faith in the gospel message. So, so the beginning part, the 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 start of being a doer of the word is hearing the gospel, understanding it, believing it. And living in light of it. That's, that's going to church, hearing that Jesus died for your sins, in your place, rose again on the third day, defeating Satan's sin and death, and offering eternal life to you, and then believing it and saying, God, you are my Lord and Savior. It's, it's, it's giving your life to God, turning away from your sin. That's, that's becoming a doer of the word. But as we said, James isn't just talking about the gospel. He's talking about the whole Bible. And part of being a doer of the word, part of looking in this mirror is, is looking for our identity. Who are you? Who are you? In Ephesians chapter two, this is why I said we should bring our Bibles. In Ephesians chapter two, Genesis, not Genesis. We're not starting at Genesis. It's in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter two, it says this, and who was I? I, Eddie Barn? Barnes, I was deadened by the trespasses and sins in which I once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we've all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we've all been children of wrath by the nature uh, by nature, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, even when I was a zombie, that's who I was, that was my identity, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. he made us alive together, what, with Christ, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Who am I? I, I am a, a sinner saved by the grace of God through faith, I once was dead in my trespasses, unresponsive as it relates to God, unwilling to follow him, unwilling to live under his lordship, unwilling to to obey any of his commands, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us in Christ Jesus, he gave me new life. He gave me new life. I am alive in Christ. I am resurrected life. I am powerful life in Christ. That's who I am. Who am I? Genesis 1. Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the heavens and over the livestock and over all earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This is uh, Genesis 1, 26 and following. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. I am one who has been made in the image of God. I carry value because I carry the, the character and the nature of God. Despite the fact that I am marred by sin, I am valuable because I am God's person. You are God's person. You are intended to reflect the nature and character of God. You're a shard of a piece of glass that is intended to reflect the glory of the light of God, who is the sun. That's poetry. God is not the sun. We're not going to worship the sun. You were made intentionally. Intentionally. Psalm 193 or 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You know where I sit and, and, and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. You know who I am. Even before a word was on my mouth, behold the Lord, you knew it altogether. You hem me in behind and before you. Lay your hand upon me. You give me the boundaries of my life. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. You formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You knew me. I was yours before I was out of the womb. I was a person before I was out of the womb. Who am I? The word is intended to tell us who we are. Exodus chapter 20. The Israelites are coming out of Egypt. God speaks and says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Israel, out of the house of slavery. You were slaves. Unless we think that we are not the Israelites, this is not the Old Testament. In the New Testament, this picture of, of coming out of slavery into freedom is the picture that God gives us to know that we came out of the slavery to sin into the freedom in Christ. We were slaves. All of us, slaves. And he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of you, who redeemed you. Redemption is not just a word that we use on Sunday. It's an expression of how God paid the price twice for us. God God constituted this people. He said these are my people. He owned them. He paid for them. They went into slavery. He paid yet again to bring them out. We are God's people twice in Christ. And he says this. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself carved images or likenesses or anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the, in the water below the earth. We are gods. Not gods, plural. We are, we are of God. We are his possession. You are God's possession. If you, if you are here today and you don't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no interest in him, you are God's possession and you've been taken And you, you've been illegitimately taken from him by by your sin, and by the ruler of this world. Sounds weird if you've never heard something like that. It's true. We are God's people. This is who we are. I could go on. Psalm one fifty. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. What does this tell me about who I am? I am meant to praise God. You were meant to worship God. Why, why do we do this? This is not intended to be a performance. As awesome as our, our musicians and our vocalists are, this is not intended to be something that we all just, okay, just warm us up, you know, loosen us up, you know, wake us up. No, this is an invitation to step into the stream of what all of creation is intended to do. Worship God. Amen. Now, that's not a myopic view that, that, that you're just meant to sing, you know, uh, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your... I was trying to think of an old song that we'd kind of feel a little weird about. You're like, I don't want to do that for eternity. But God is Great. And he deserves worship, and when you can tap, there, there was something about, and, and many of us experienced it today, when, when we were thinking about God's goodness, his greatness, his, his, his worth, we were, we were swept into something, and there was something fulfilling, and it was, it was touching our hearts, and we were feeling like, yes, God, you are awesome, we worship you. That inclination in your heart is what you were meant for. Whether you're, you're, you're in the context of your marriage or, or parenting or you're at work or you're at home or you're driving, you have opportunity to reflect on God's goodness and say, God, you're good in this context. In the context of my, mar- my marriage, gosh, you are so gracious to me with my children. You are so gracious to me in, in my suffering. You're, you're, you're so comforting and kind and you promise to be good to me. You are with me. We are worshipers. Now, he does say Doers. Be doers of the word. So it's not just information. The, the word of God is intended to draw something out of us. And, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm laboring to try and pull that out. Th- there ought to be a response that comes as a result. You know, in, in Acts chapter 2, you should, you should read it. Um, the Holy Spirit falls, it's Pentecost, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, the people are watching and they're like, these guys, they're drunk. They are just babbling like drunkards. And, and I love Peter's response. Um, where is it? Uh, and, in verse 14, he says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, um, let this be known and give ear to my words. For those people are not drunk, as you suppose. Since it's the third, guys, it's nine o'clock. They're not drunk. As though... People who get drunk worried about whether it's daytime. It's just funny to me. He's like, if it were, if this was a night meeting, I might, I might entertain that thought. But it's it's nine in the morning, guys. Let's let's be real. And he he preaches this message, and he, he explains what's going on that the, that the Holy Spirit has come. This is a this is a, the inauguration of the kingdom of God, flowing the the age of of the church, and. And he says, "Guys, you you crucified Christ. <laughs> like it's, it's bad news." Um. And and they they are cut to the heart. They they respond. Now, when they heard this, verse seven thirty-seven, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, "Brothers, what shall we do?" Hom. You have crucified, God. And I can say that because Jesus, God, and man, not that God ceased to exist, but Jesus, the God-man, was crucified. They had murdered God. And again, lest we think that, that we're off the hook, we're, we're no better. Our sin, our sin just as much sent him to the cross. And so those words ought to demand the response, what are we to do? What are we to do? And he says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, turn away from your sin. Turn and trust in Jesus Christ, who didn't just die, he rose again. And there's a response that the word of God demands. You know, Exodus Exodus 20, again, uh, if we go back to the, the Ten Commandments, um, When you see commands, when you become a doer of the word, I want you to understand this, that God almost always in his word precedes his commands with gospel realities. So he doesn't just say, do these things and I'll love you. Do these things, get right, and and I'll make it okay. Do these things and and I'll consider allowing you into the family. No, he, he says, you're in the family, therefore do these things. You're a Barnes, therefore act like a Barnes. You're a Christian, therefore act like a Christian. You know, we look at the Ten Commandments, and and and, and, and so much of of, uh, of popular culture reduces Christianity sometimes to our, because of our own poor. Uh, example, but reduces it to a set of lists of, of rules, and he says, you know, you've got the commands. If I do them, I, I go to heaven. If I don't, I go to hell. And, and there's truth in that. But he starts it, and what he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. Th- these commands weren't given in a vacuum. They were given with context, and the context was that God had saved them. And when you understand that God has saved you, you begin to you begin to hear the word of God differently. You begin to, begin to hear the commands of God differently. You shall have no other God before me. I don't want to have another God before me because you are my God. You brought me out of the land of Egypt and brought me into freedom. You brought me out of the, out of the slavery descent and brought me into, in, into freedom. You, you transferred me from the domain of darkness and, and, and brought me into the, the kingdom of your beloved son. I want to obey you. I want you to be my God. You shall not make for yourselves carved images or any likeness that, that is in heaven or above or, or in the earth beneath or in the water below you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That means something different when you're a Christian. Because you realize this is the name that I carry. This isn't about whether or not I, I cuss. But don't cuss. There any kids in the room? Don't cuss. Don't do that. No, this is about who you represent. By your behavior. By your words. Don't, don't, don't drag God's name through the mud by the way that you live your life. Be a doer of the word. He goes on, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. And I think a lot of us would say, "Eh, I'm pretty good. And Jesus goes and he says, yeah. But anyone who commits murder in his heart or hates his brother has committed. Anyone who lusts after a woman has committed adultery. He, he, He tightens up the requirements. And being a doer, we don't get off the hook from being a doer. What does it mean to be a doer of the word? It means... It means 1 Corinthians 13. I talked about this last week, but it bears repeating. Love, your, love is patient. Love is kind. Love it does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is what we are to do. If we are, if we are going to be doers of the word, we ought to be lovers in this manner patient and kind, not envious or boastful, not arrogant or rude, not insisting on your own way, not irritable or resentful, not rejoicing in wrongdoing, ha, he got what he deserved, but rejoicing in the truth, bearing all things, hoping, believing all things. I'm going to believe the best about this person. That's what God is calling us to do, to be doers of the word, not just not killing people. John 13, 35, they will know that you're my, my disciples by your love for one another. Loving one another, doing the word, calling people, inviting them to your house, being willing to put up with other people and, and their junk, listening to them. Getting in a small group. We talk about it a lot, but it bears repeating again. Getting in a small group and, and committing yourself to a People. Not because that's what we do at this church, but because that's what the Bible talks about, being in fellowship. We talked about it a few weeks back in Hebrews, not neglecting the the, the gathering of the saints, being around other Christians. Not fooling yourself into thinking that if I hear about community, I am therefore doing community. Galatians chapter 5. So much of chapter five, goodness gracious. Oh that's Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five as well. Um, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh,? Right? You, what, your, what your old nature wants to do versus what God in you wants to do, they're against each other. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality. And that if, if you think it's on the list, if you're like, what about this? It's on the list. We don't need to talk about it. Like We're all smart. We know. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Right? Some of us are like, yeah, sexual immorality, that's bad. But fits of anger, like, well, I mean, except in the car, right? No. Strife. Jealousy. Dissensions. Divisions. Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these, all of these, like, he, he doesn't, and what's interesting is he's not, he doesn't prioritize it. Like some of those things on your, you, that list, you're like, oh, like non-Christians would be like, oh, don't do that. But so the others, we're like, well, that's, uh, you know, if you don't talk about it, you can be jealous. You, you know, what can be a little bit envious, right? I mean, it's not in the Virginia look around. You got reason to be envious. And if you're not, you're the reason. No, no, no. but, he, but I joke. I joke. But he says, no, that's, that's the flesh. That's, that's death. That's who you were. And he goes on Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit, right? He can, he's contrasting the flesh versus the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Kindness, is, just kindness. Just take that home, put it in your pocket, and just think about what it looks like for you to be kind. Just, just take one, <laughs> kindness. Be kind this week. You're like, I am kind. Be kind to the people you aren't kind to. Let's be honest. Myself included. Many times I'm talking to my children, like, do this thing. And God's like, I'm sorry to talk to you that way. Be kind. This is, but, but we're not just doing that because, hey, whatever. We're looking in the mirror. Right, we're we're, we're, do, we're doing a lot of stuff here, guys. So I don't want us to lose the point. We're looking in the mirror, and I want you to do this on your own. But but just for fun, I just thought, why don't we go all, and, and all of us do this? But look in the mirror. Ephesians chapter five. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, just read the Bible, not me. Um, for the husband is the head of the the wife, and even there's Christ is the head of the church, and uh, uh, his body is and he and is himself the Savior. Now also the church submits to the to the. Uh, the church submits to Christ, thank you. Wives should submit to their husbands and, and everything that, uh, to their husbands. And husbands, lest we think that, haha. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Kind of a high bar, okay? You think you're doing it, you're not. Um, and gave himself up for her. How much did he give himself up for her? Kind of died. Then he rose again and, and came to do more work. Like you think, oh, it's so hard. You know, I got to do my things for my. Mom. Jesus literally worked so hard, he died. Then he Beat death came back to life and continues to do more work for his bride, like and husbands. If you do that, your wives will be like, "Yeah, look, whatever you want to do, let's do it." Right? They're not upset with you wanting to lead because you're too Christ-like. Just um, just putting that out there. Right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything that she might be holy and without. Do you hear how how church focused Christ is? He's doing everything for her benefit. Husbands, before you get impatient and you try to take anything I said in the previous verses and apply it to your wife directly in a conversation after church, don't do that. You let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. You figure out how can i be Christ to my wife not how can i tell my wife what the bible says there's a difference you understand that right like sweetheart it says in the bible that's not that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about serving your wife selflessly loving her being kind to her being sacrificial thinking about her so much so that it's as if you were thinking about yourself that it becomes second nature to think about your wife this is who we are family and, and, man, is, it, is this not countercultural? Right? Is this not hard to, if you aren't looking at the Bible, if you are not gazing into the mirror, you're going to have a hard time having a marriage that resembles anything like this. Because the world paints men as Homer Simpson. And I, I don't know what the world paints, well, we don't we talk about women, because women, would to be nice to the ladies. Men, you need to handle it. Don't be Homer Simpson. Okay, anyways. Keep going. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is, are there any kids? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the one commandment that comes with a promise. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you. And, and lest we think, yeah. yeah, kids, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Kindness. Kindness. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know how patient God is with your mess? I know how patient God is with my mess. There's a lot of things that, that God has dealt with in my life. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't just bring a hammer and be like, congratulations, everything's wrong. And just lay it all out on me. Right? Fathers, sometimes we want to do that with our kids. Like, they say something, you're like, you, what? And you have like a mini stroke? And you want to be like, let me tell you all the things. In that moment, he says, no, 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 children. Or, uh, well, to us, we are children. Fathers, don't do that. Lead with kindness. Reflect my discipline. What? what a, again, men, we are not off the hook. Now, moms, uh, there are single moms in here, and, and by, by the grace of God, you can, you can do all that God has called you to do. I want to I challenge the men. Men, in your husbanding, in your parenting, you are called to represent God. And I don't mean that in some sort of weird walk-behind-me-and-do-what-I-say sort of way. I mean that in the sense of God being loving, gracious, kind, patient, providing, caring for, protecting. It's a little frightening to me to think of what God calls us to. But God calls us to that standard. That is who we are. And the question is not whether or not that's who you are. The question is whether you're doing it well or poorly. Yeah. And he goes on talking about who we are. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Be ready to fight. As as we are as we're landing this plane, part of what defines us as a people is that um, we we aren't. We're not here forever. This is this is not home. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot because um, it's just interesting that the saints who died for the faith, by and large, it seems like they had this very different perspective than I think I I often have, and their perspective was one where they didn't see this life as as the end. In, in Romans chapter 8, I would just read Romans 8. Just read it and then read it again. Paul says this For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And, and, and in, a, in case you're like, well, Paul, your life was not as hard as mine. No, Paul, was, his life was pretty hard. He was beat, he was stoned in the throwing rocks sense of the word. He was um, it, it presumed dead. Um, he was whipped enough times that we believe that Luke, the writer of Luke and the writer of Acts, who was a physician, accompanied him, accompanied him on his missions because he needed, a, he needed a doctor with him. Like, that's how badly he was hurt. He experienced um, hunger, deprivation, poverty, all of these things. And he says this, for I consider the suffering sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed with revealed to us. Family, the Bible tells us who we were and who God is. It tells us our sin, what we need to repent of. It tells us who we are in Christ. And if it will, will allow it to, God will give us a picture of, of who we are to be. And and whatever. Whatever situation you're in, however bad it is, and I don't mean to diminish how bad y- your situation might be, it, it's, it's momentary suffering in the grand scheme of things. And, and I don't say that to be, that's, that's what the Bible says. And, and our, our being a doer of the word in that sense is to, to grab a hold of that and believe it in such a way that it informs our faith, it builds our hope. And it allows us to have the kind of life where people look at us and say, why aren't you depressed? Why aren't you hopeless? I've met 10 other people with the same diagnosis and they are losing it. What's the difference? The difference with me is that this momentary suffering is nothing compared to the glory of standing before my God. This momentary suffering is nothing compared to what God is going to do and how I'm going to worship and be fulfilled and stand before him reconciled not burning in hell. Living in the ultimate expression of who I was meant to be. That's that's the future that God holds calls us to. That's that's where we're going. And, and to the degree that you can grab hold of that reality, it will empower you, it will strengthen you, it will bolster you, it will give you hope and strength and make you the kind of person that other people say, tell me what's going on, because I want your strength. This is who we are, we are, we are sojourners, we are, we are on a journey, we are aliens, strangers and aliens. Biblical sense, not, you know, X-file sense. We're going somewhere, guys. We're going somewhere. In Christ, you are going somewhere. I would encourage you to look at the mirror every day. Look at the mirror. Begin to get a sense for yourself of what the Bible says about who you are. The only way you can do that is getting into the word. Be a doer of the word. What was the one thing or the two things you're like, oh, that's, that's a zinger. Take that one or two things and do those things. For some of it's it's kindness. For some of it's it's, it's loving our husbands better. For some of us, it's, it's giving more grace to our, uh, our, our, our wives. I did it the other way. Loving our wives better, giving grace to our husbands, but maybe loving your husband better, giving grace to your wife. It means being patient with our children. Means forgiving. I didn't even talk about that. It means living, living a hope-filled life. And when when hopelessness dares to, to rear its ugly head saying, No, you're a lie. Family, I'm I'm begging you, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. This is not Sunday school. This is not VBS. This is not me saying, "Let's do this because we're we're uh, children of Abraham, father Abraham, who had many sons, many sons had father Abraham." He, you gotta finish it, or else everyone's gonna feel like ah, I got an itch that hasn't been scratched. That's all fun and games, but this is real. This is real, guys. I I I. I As we close, I challenge you, take one of the texts I I listed, Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 13, Genesis 1. There's so many more that that we could go into, Romans 8. Take one of them, Psalm 1, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, all of Proverbs. There's 31 31 chapters of Proverbs, there's 31 uh, days in most months, just start there chapter a day but, but do it and, and be a doer of the word and watch God move I dare you I, I, I just come to my face and be like ha! God did this ha! Like you, you're right you win also I will have won because you have done what I asked you to do but we all win when you are a doer of the word Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you love us, that you give us our identity in your word, that that this is not just a list of, of commands, but it's a promise of your salvation in Christ because of his life, death, and resurrection. And it's an invitation to live in light of that. God, would you make us people of the word, doers of the word, not just hearers, but doers. Make me, God, a doer of the word. Make me a doer of the word, I pray. make our children doers of the word. Make our grandchildren doers of the word. Make our parents doers of the word. God, would you make us a people who hear your voice in your scriptures and say, yes and amen, I'll do that. Pour out your spirit on this people, I pray. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your word. Help us to to love it, to taste and see that you are good in this word, to, to appreciate who you are, to appreciate how good you are, to appreciate how kind and faithful and generous and loving and sacrificial and strong and powerful and mighty and undefeatable you are. Help us to see that, I pray. By your spirit, for the glory of your name, amen. Love you, family.